Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Happy New Year. This is our first time together in 2023. How you guys doing? You good? Uh, We're starting a brand new series, and I'm just going to dive right in, uh, because this is so relevant to all of us, and I say this a lot, but this is true of the series. If you're not sure about the Jesus thing, you're trying to figure out religion, like this just applies because most of what I'm going to talk about is just a human thing. But the reality is anytime you're moving from one season to another, um, one year to another, there's things that you should bring with you. Like some of you picked up uh, really good habits, um, healthy rhythms this last year. You finally made decisions you've been needing to make for a while, um, good relationships that were started. All of those should carry with you into the next year. And then on the other side of it, we all know this, there's stuff that has no business following us into the next year. If you're a sports fan, the Tampa Bay Bucks offense needs to not show up in 2023, right? Um, for others of us, like it's unhealthy habits that you picked up and now you need to leave behind. Uh, if we were to be really honest, for some of us, there's relationships that shouldn't follow us into this next season or this next year. Um, there's other circumstances and decisions that we made as a result. So there's just things that we know. We do not want to carry it from one season to the next, one year to the next. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk specifically about what I think is the biggest thing that you need to leave behind and I need to leave behind in 2023. And that is your excuses, my excuses. And this is just a human thing. We all do it. We're all tempted to do it. But here's, what, here's how I would describe an excuse. Like you've heard the phrase or the term paper tiger. So a paper tiger is something that looks insurmountable. It looks like it can't be overcome. It looks like it's going to dominate you. It's, it looks like something you should fear. It looks like the reason for why you shouldn't move forward. And yet it's just a paper tiger. Like there's nothing to it. It's not real. And yet it looks real. And here's the thing about excuses. Excuses from a distance look like reasons. So we all have reasons for why we do and don't do things. Like heading into this year, I have reasons for why I should do certain things and why I shouldn't do certain things. And this is the example that I feel like, you know, everybody gives at the beginning of the year, but this is legitimate for me this last year. I started a workout program one point in the year that I was loving. I was like for the first time really loving it. My wife is a beast. Um, in this area in the best possible way. And so just trying to keep up with her. I loved it. I got into a great rhythm. And then I had to travel uncharacteristically like multiple times in like a month period. So I was gone a lot, totally got out of the rhythm. And so I found myself talking to my wife and a friend of ours like, yeah, this workout program has gone great. I love it, but I've been traveling. And so I got out of the habit and the rhythm. And then I had to stop myself. And I'm like, I'm talking about trips that I took five months ago. I've had ample time to get back into the rhythm of this workout program, and yet it was the reason that I was giving. And like you, a lot of times the reasons that I give are just not good reasons. They're actually just excuses. And then excuses over time become becauses. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like, why don't you do that? Well, because, you know, why don't you get, because, why don't you talk to them? Because, and because we're good at this, we come up with well-crafted narratives and rehearsed lines that we start to believe of why we don't do and why we do do certain things. And they just become because it's that we hide behind. Why haven't you? Why don't you? Why do you always? Why did you quit? Why haven't you started? Why don't you finish? Why didn't you reach out to them? Why don't you try? Why don't you make the decision? Why don't you finally give that up? Well, because, 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 and because we're smart, we have a great story of why we didn't do it, why we haven't done it, why we haven't taken the step. And over time, we hide behind them. And they become reasons that are really just disguised excuses or disguised paper tigers. Now, all of us, I think I know, we, we know this, but there is a really fine line between a reason and an excuse. And we kind of imply this in our language, right? Um, like you'll hear people all the time or you'll say to people, hey, you need to quit what? Yeah, that was not helpful. Making excuses. You need to quit making excuses or um, quit, you know, stop making excuses. And the implication is what? You are making it up. Like you've manufactured a reason, you've fabricated a reason, and you might even believe your own reason, but from the vantage point of somebody else, it's just an excuse. And it's disguised as a reason, but it's not a real reason. And then over time, you create a paper tiger that you try to pass off as an actual obstacle. Basically, I would say it this way. You're dressing up an excuse in an attempt to pass it off as a reason. And we all do it. And then you do it over time, and you hem yourself in, and what happens is you hide behind these reasons, i.e. excuses, i.e. paper tigers, and when you do that, you ultimately shut opportunities out, and you even shut other relationships out, and you eventually get to the place where you start to just believe some of those excuses. And here's the thing that I would say for most of us. It is so easy to see this in other people, is it not? Like you see this if you're a parent. You see this in your kids all day long, every day. Like my kids have now already brilliantly mastered the art of giving me reasons that are not really reasons for why I was standing in my kitchen and a small waterfall began to hit my head because they flooded the upstairs bathroom again and had the most sophisticated story imaginable about why they did that. Or when my boy a few weeks ago, the second boy to do this, got his head stuck in the banister and had an amazing story for why that happened. Or when my little girl, honestly, I was thinking about my kids. I had too many examples to even try to pick one, like there every single day. My little girl, when she was about two, she was at, I was at the top of the stairs in our townhouse. She was on the second to last stair. She's super small. And I told her that she couldn't do something. I mean, she's like barely talking, right? And I was like, no, Brooke, you can't do it. And immediately she twists around, throws her body two stairs down onto the floor, starts beating the floor like three or four times. And then without even thinking, and it's amazing how she learned this. Like, I'm pretty sure her mom wasn't teaching her this when I wasn't at home. She just knew how to do it. She sprung up, turned around. She's like, I fall, I fall. Like, no, you didn't just fall, all right? You just catapulted yourself two to three steps down and your hands didn't suddenly, you know, involuntarily begin to pound the linoleum at the entrance and then get back up and like you had no, you know, you didn't do any of it. Like it's just a reason that's really a disguised excuse and my kids do it all the time and it's so easy for me to see it because I'm smarter than them, right? <laughs> but 
we do the same thing in every area. Like, it, it is just easier with other people. Like, you see it sometimes in coworkers and, you know, neighbors or, you know, other relationships you have. Some of you have seen this with bosses where they come in and they have a PowerPoint presentation and they're going all over the reasons for a decision that got found out that you know these aren't the real reasons, but they got caught. And so somebody needs to make a PowerPoint and sell everybody else on the reasons that are really excuses or paper tigers for why they did what they did. Like, all of us can see it. It is so easy to see excuses happening in other people around us. But... We have the worst time seeing it six inches away from us in the mirror. And isn't this true? Like right now, and if you're on radio, I'm not calling you out. You're listening, podcasting. Everybody in the room is doing the same thing. You're th- if you're listening to me, you're thinking about somebody else that needs to hear this message. <laughs> Am I right? And I'm not, it's just, in fact, I love when we do these kind of series because I'll get people that'll hit me up on like Instagram or DM or whatever. And they're like, hey, can you tell me where that video is? I have a friend that really needs to hear this series because everybody knows somebody, you're thinking about them now, don't elbow them, that like, hey, they make excuses. It's easy for me to see, but we all do it. And here's the, the language we'll use. Everybody will say, well, the reason is, the reason is, the reason is, Think of the last time you heard somebody just straight up go, my excuse is, have you ever heard it? Like the reason that I didn't get there, my excuse for why I was late is, the excuse for why I flooded the upstairs bathroom is, the excuse for why my head stuck in the banister is, my excuse for why I didn't go, the excuse for why I spent that. Like, let's just be honest with one another. This is just an excuse and I'm not gonna lie to you and I'm not gonna lie to me. But we never do that. So because we've maybe never uttered these words in our life, this may be kind of weird for you. I just want us to practice for a second because you may never do it again. So can we just say that line for a second? My excuse is. is. All right, one more time. My excuse is nobody says that. Nobody ever does that. But can you imagine if we just started there, it may not change anything, you may not do anything different, you may still hide behind the excuse, but at least you'll be honest about where you are. This isn't really a reason, this is just an excuse that I'm hiding behind. And so here's where I wanna get you to go. Is it possible that some of your reasons are not reasons at all? Why you left, why you didn't stay, why you didn't sign, why you didn't talk, why didn't you try to reconcile, why you made the decision, why you're still in the habit, why you moved there, whatever it is. Is it possible that maybe that reason isn't really a reason? It's an excuse. It's a paper tiger and you're hiding behind it. And here's the reality. Until, until we get honest with where we are, we have no chance to get to where we wanna be. Amen. And you hear me talk about this a lot, but you owe it to you to be honest with you. And the thing is, and I'll say this, because I, I get it, I'm the same way. We have really good reasons for why we make our reasons that are excuses. Like a lot of times they're fueled by, by fear. They're fueled by insecurity in some area of our life. They're fu- fueled by past events. They're still kind of following us into our present and they're influencing our future. Like all of us have reasons for why we fabricate reasons that aren't reasons, for why we manufacture reasons that aren't really reasons. In a lot of cases, it's because of what somebody told you. It's because of what somebody called you. For some of you, you can, and this isn't like recent, this is, this is a decade and a half ago, what somebody labeled you. And they may have no idea that was a defining moment in your life, but it was, and you're still making excuses based off of that label. For others of you, it's because of what was expected of you. 
and you don't feel like you came through, so now you feel like you're through. And so all of us feel like we're in that place or we have a tendency to live out of that place. So my question is just, and I, I promise the series will get happier, but is it possible that you have invented reasons that are the reasons why you defend certain behaviors, certain reactions, certain overreactions, maybe why you've neglected or why you've avoided that thing. And if we were to really get honest, and I'm telling you, you can't go anywhere in life, or if you're a Jesus follower, in terms of where God has you and wants you in your future, if you can't get honest about where you are. So what if it's possible? What if it's possible that, that you have kind of invented reasons for why you avoid or why you respond to certain people the way you do? certain events the way you do, certain circumstances, and even certain opportunities the way you do. Uh, one thing I thought of, and this is gonna kind of be a really um, benign example in light of like, like really real life adult stuff, but I just thought of it. I have other examples, but I don't know many of you, so I'm not gonna tell those. So um, an example that I would tell is like as a, a junior hire, is I, I just started getting into sports, but up into that point, this may surprise some of you, I'm, I'm somewhat right-brained. I was very creative. So I was the kid in like middle school that was known um, for art, um, which was amazing. Like I ran for, you know, vice president of the school. I drew pictures and um, I was in a bunch of other embarrassing stuff. I'm not going to tell you because I did that in another message and I regretted it. So just, just know, like I just, you know, I was not in that group and I wanted to be, and I just started getting into it, but I was not very good. And there was that whole group of kids. They, they were, you know, they were athletic and I was just, you just need to stay over here and paint and draw and, you know, do whatever else you do. And so that was just kind of my label. And so I got to the place and again, and this is a junior high example, I get it. But I just didn't like that whole group of people as like a sixth grader. Uh, like anybody who was semi-athletic, I just don't like them. And now here's the thing, because we all do this, like contextualize it in terms of like adult stuff that actually has consequences, but we all tend to do that. It is so much easier to not like an individual or a group of people rather than to admit that there is something in me. So this is a really good question. It's a bothersome question. Um, you know, we don't want to ask it, but are there types of people that you don't like? You, you should just ask that question. And I don't know, they, it could be skinny people. You just don't like them. You're just like, they're skinny, I don't like them. Um, yeah, be honest. Uh, it's, you know, highly educated people, corporate people, people from whatever, people who did, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, it, it can run the gamut. But you just like, you don't really have a good reason. You're just, I just don't like them. They're, they're just, they're not my people. And I'm telling you, you have to pay attention to that because we always, this is human nature, we always think it's them. We'll talk about this later. It's not them. <laughs> it's you. It's me. And, and here's the thing. There, in all of that, there's a root to our excuses, and the root is just this. It's blaming something that is internal, like it's in me, it's in you, but we blame it on something that's external. That's what an excuse is. So to kind of play this out, as I got older, I got into sports, I got better. Uh, I became a pretty good athlete in my context. I'm not gonna oversell it, like small school, but I was a pretty good athlete. We won a state championship and I was an MVP, but it's not, you know, that's not important and I don't wanna even, you know, um, but, but I noticed that like that was still in me. I know it's such a, a, a lame example, but I'm telling you, I'm not over, it was real. So as I got older, I, several times I started getting opportunities to speak to different places. And without even realizing, I think it was my wife that called me out on this eventually. Anytime I was invited to speak somewhere um, where it involved any kind of like 
athletes, college athletes, whatever, I just, I would come up with excuses. Like, I can't, I just, we just had another kid. We have 400 of them. I can't do that. Let somebody else do that. It was like disguised humility. It wasn't humble at all. I was just intimidated. I, I was just fearful. I, did, I got a potential opportunity with a um, pro sports team to go do a chaplaincy. Scared me to, I gave every excuse in the world for why I couldn't do it. Um, got invited to several like college campuses. Eventually, my wife finally called me out where I had a chance to be a, a chaplain for one year with a, a high school sports team, football team, and I wasn't going to do it. Again, I had all the reasons in the world about I couldn't, it's not a good time, and this and that, and somebody else, and, and it, all of it was just bull. It just was, that was amazing restraint. It was, just, it, like, it was not real reasons. And finally, like, you just need to do this. And then another time I got um, an invite to a college camp, about 500 athletes, and I was scared to death. And it was my wife, like, you have to go do this. And I realized for years, and it's so silly, I'd been hiding behind this paper tiger, these excuses that I disguised as reasons. And I went, and I made a joke about, Allen Iverson, 90s basketball, and nobody understood what I was talking about because they weren't even born then, and that part was a disaster. But it was an amazing experience, and I walked away from it going, man, what would have happened if I would have lived the rest of my life hiding behind those stupid excuses, those reasons that weren't reasons, those paper tigers, and that's such a lame example in terms of our life, but all of us have those things, and the problem is you don't know what's on the other side of that thing that you won't confront, You have no idea what God might do. You have no idea what God is up to. And the moment you decide that you're gonna give in to those excuses, it becomes a paper tiger and you hem yourself in and you keep other relationships and maybe opportunities that God's trying to put in your way, you put them at arm's length and eventually you live there long enough. That becomes your reality. You, You live out of that place and suddenly I won't becomes I can't in the narrative that you tell everybody. And I'm afraid to try becomes, well, that's just not my thing in the narrative that you tell everybody. And we hide behind these excuses. And so is it possible that your reason is just not a reason? It's an excuse. It's fabricated. It's a paper tiger. And it's holding you back. And here's the thing, this is why it's important. If, and if you're not sure about the Jesus thing or religion, you can pick and choose what you wanna go with. But he, this is what, what, what it's so huge for us who are trying to follow Jesus or trying to figure this out or, or believe that there's a God that, that came personally. There is a direct relationship between your ability to follow Jesus, not willingness, because a lot of people have willingness, but there are certain things that they have not confronted that give them the ability to do what God's called them to do. There is a direct link between the ability to fully follow Jesus and your willingness to confront the excuses that are holding you back. And the thing is, over time, those excuses that you have disguised as reasons, they become the boss of your life. They become the master of your life. They start to tell you what you can do, what you can't do, what you should try, what you shouldn't try, what you can succeed at. And the, the tragedy is those things begin to override the voice of God in your life. And to put it in biblical language, they become your king. And you can spend your entire life worshiping, 
lifting your hands to King Jesus while figuratively, but in reality, bowing your knee to the control of of excuses that a resurrected Savior came to earth to be able to conquer so that you could walk into life to the full. You can live your life bowing down and being controlled by those excuses that are simply paper tigers. Or let me put it in more modern language. They just become a board of directors for you. Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you should try. Here's who you shouldn't talk to. Here, here's, you know, you, here's what you need to stay away from. And it begins to have control over your life. And I'm just telling you, for followers of Jesus, there's a direct link between your ability to follow Jesus and your willingness to let go of those excuses that are holding you back. And I already know the answer to this question. Do you want excuses to be the boss of your life? To be the master of your life? To take up residence and move aside King Jesus in biblical language and what he wants to do in your life? And the answer, I think, for most of us is no. And we all have reasons for why what inside of us is dictating what we're blaming outside of us. But regardless of what the reason is, I know that you don't want excuses to be the master of your life. So the author of Hebrews comes along and he writes to a group of Christians in the first century and they were um, in the midst of circumstances that were unbelievably difficult and hard. In fact, I mean, just in fairness to those people who were reading this document that was written in the first century, they had every reason in the world to make excuses for why they couldn't do certain things why they should let go of faith, why they needed to protect and preserve and not step out. They had all the excuses in the world. And so the author of Hebrews writes to them knowing all that and says, with as hard as it is, I don't want you to let go of, to forfeit faith and to walk away from what God has for your life. And you could, and you could have a narrative and you could disguise it as a reason. And everybody would say, yeah, that makes total sense. But God has more for your life. Don't do it. And then he gives us this incredible principle that is relevant to all of us. And even if you're not a Jesus follower, you're still trying to figure it out. This, uh, most of this advice will just help you at life. Here's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. He says, let us throw off everything, everything that what? That hinders. You're working from a different translation. Everything that hinders. I'm just playing because I know him. Um, He said, basically, rid yourselves of every impediment and every obstacle that keeps you from progress, whatever it is. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily does what? Entangles you. Say that again, because I feel like you're dying off already. That so easily what? Entangles you. Now, real quick, I spent too much time here in the first service. I'm gonna try to make this quicker. But this is such a big idea. Jesus is very specific about the definition of sin. He is not very specific about examples of sin in the New Testament. If you don't believe me, go read it again, Matthew to Revelation. What is not in there is astounding. And there's a reason for that. Because, and I talk about this all the time, but I'm gonna talk about it again because for many of you, you grew up in a religious system that misdefined this for you and motivation matters. When Jesus showed up in the New Testament, the motivation and the paradigm shift for everything changed because now no longer was in an Old Testament, Old Covenant system where you brought sacrifices to a temple and had this vertical relationship with God where you check a box and I did good and I sang and I sat in a row and I brought my goat. God, are we good? Jesus shows up to go, no, no, all that's gone. I, there's 
there's an expiration date on the 613 Old Testament laws and commands. Now I'm going to replace it with one with several applications. And that's going to be your marching orders for all of life. And the reason that Jesus did that was very profound. There's a few examples in the New Testament of, hey, just to get you started, here's a few things that you should pay attention to. But on the whole, there's very little detail in the New Testament because Jesus showed up and said, here's what I want to guide your life. I want you to love other people and love yourself the way that God has loved you. And then hours later, he would put on display what that looked like and he would die for the sins of the world. And then he says to us, this is what I want to guide all of your life. And he didn't give us another list of commands and and here's this and there's an A, B, and C. And if this happens, here's what you need to do. Because what he knew we would do is move to the lowest rung on the ladder. What can I get by with? And in the Jesus movement, the standard is higher. Even if you can't find a verse, even if you lost your Bible a decade ago, even if it's a little gray, even if your grandmother said whatever, this is the guiding marching orders for your life. In every decision, every relationship, in every circumstance, here's all you need to know. What does love demand of me? How do I love me and love other people the way that God has loved me through Christ? That's it, go. Change the world. And motivation matters. Some of you are still working off an Old Testament system because it's as if your Sunday school teacher never let you know Jesus is here. And a whole new movement has started. And now the motivation is not, did I find a verse? Is there a command? My motivation is love. And so this is why lying is a sin because here's how Jesus defines sin. Sin is anything that hurts you and sin is anything that hurts other people. That is terrifyingly clear. That obliterates legalism in religious systems. It blows up your list. Don't do anything that will hurt you and hurt other people. Go. And so lying is a sin. Why? Because oh, there's a commandment, there's a verse somewhere. No, that's, not, that's not the motivation. Lying is a sin because when you lie to somebody else, you hurt somebody else. You break a relationship with somebody else. We have two big rules in our house. I got this from a mentor years ago, and it really has followed us. Basically, honor your mom, don't lie to me. Honor your mom, don't. It's a thing called keystone habits. Don't make a lot of rules. I'm gonna be even lenient if a waterfall comes down on my head in the kitchen. Like, we'll deal with that. Don't disrespect your mama, because if you learn how to not do that, it's gonna be a catalyst for a bunch of other areas in your life. And don't lie to me, because lying breaks relationship. If you lie, we can't have a relationship. You can do all the craziness in the world. If you'll just tell me the truth, we can work with that. Don't lie. And and so lying is a sin because lying hurts somebody else. It breaks a relationship. It says to another person that I'm gonna put my thing above your thing and you're not worthy of the truth. And lying is a sin because it hurts you. And so I say all of that. (laughs) I went long again to say this. An excuse is a lie we tell ourselves about ourselves. And when you lie to yourself, you hurt yourself. And when you lie to yourself, you sin against yourself. And you can't hurt you and you can't hurt somebody else without hurting your heavenly father. That's the New Testament ethic. That is why we decide to follow Jesus. Not because Jesus is gonna get us. We were already gotten through Jesus on the cross. That's already been handled. We follow Jesus because our commanding ethic for all of life is to love others and love ourselves the way that Jesus has loved us in Christ. 
and this is gonna sound weird and I'm being somewhat facetious, but this may help some of you. Some of you have lied to yourself so long, you need to go home, look in the mirror and give yourself an apology (laughs) because your lying has sabotaged you. Your lying has led you to decisions that you don't want. Your lying has hurt other relationships around you and your lying to you has hurt you. And when you hurt you, you can't help but hurt your heavenly father. And so then he, he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you. Basically, no more excuses. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here's all this means, super simple. If you believe there's a God, if you believe that, that Jesus has a plan for your life, that's your race. Like God has a race for you. One of the things that I pray, um, it's, I think my wife's in here, she can vouch for it every night, or, and she does the same almost every night, is this prayer over my kids where rather than tell them, I'll just pray it over them. It's a shady way of like, casting vision without, you know, and I do it in different ways so they don't catch on. But sometimes I'll tell it to them and it's a legit prayer, but it's also a shady way of ingraining in them like what I want them to know. One of the things that I'll pray over and over again is God help them to know that you have a plan, you have a will, you have a destiny for their life. And, and we have one 3,000 foot macro level for the church, this movement of Jesus across the world, across generations. But I just think this is lost in our culture. God has a unique destiny, will, and plan for your life. And I want it to guide my kids in every season of life, even when they go off the rails and they will at some level because they're human, that I, I want it to guide their decisions. I want it to guide how they respond to things. I want it to guide their relationship. God has a unique destiny and will for your life. And one, let me just go off for this for one second. I, I think this is one of the tragedies of our cultural moment is that the church in some ways has lost sight of this. And we have a bunch of Jesus followers in our generation going, this is so bad and my life sucks and gas is high and this thing happened to me and whatever, whatever, and it's so bad and on and on and on and on. And we're living in this space where if you placed your faith and trust in Christ, you serve a God that didn't just come and live and die, but walked out of a grave alive, defining himself as a resurrected savior who is offered you life to the full. And that is not just heaven when you die. It's life that begins right now. And I just think we have to take back in our culture. Yes, life sucks sometimes. Yes, stuff hits the fan. Yes, it's hard. Jesus promised that. But this life is also beautiful. And come on, you serve a resurrected Savior. What you do right now, what happens right now, it matters for all of eternity. And it's not just heaven when you die. It's God has given you a unique will and destiny in this moment to change the world. And how dare we sit and constantly fall victim to everything that's going on around us when we serve the creator king of the universe who has a race for us to run in this generation and yes it's hard but we've been called to something in this little bit of time and it's going to have an impact for all of eternity and the fact that we don't know that is why so many of us are living so bored and so purposeless and filling our time with video games and Netflix binging when we have been given a race to run in our generation that matters. And you will not discover, much less participate in that race 
until you stop manufacturing excuses and get rid of, this is the point the authors of Hebrews is saying, until you get rid of everything that's holding you back, until you let go of it. And then, last part of the verse, and let me just to set this up first. Then he says, basically, I, there's one more thing. It's counterintuitive, but here's what you need to know the author of Hebrews would say. If, if you want your life to be full, you need to empty yourself. If you live your life full of yourself, you'll always be empty. It's the counterintuitive upside down kingdom and way of Jesus that if you live your life for yourself, you will only have yourself to show for yourself. And unfortunately, I've had the, I think, tragedy to be at funerals where people are just making stuff up and nobody wants to talk and it's uncomfortable. And like, can you just give me something? Can you give me a story? And it's just, a, it's just reality. It's a, it's a life not well lived. Because if you live for yourself, you will only have yourself to show for yourself. And the author of Hebrews basically comes in to go, God has called you to something different. And here's the reality. People who make excuses rarely make much of a difference. And ultimately, when you begin to just live and hide behind paper taggers and excuses, it keeps you from engaging. It keeps you from being present. Ultimately, it causes you to be small and it robs you and it robs other people of you. And then this is the harsh reality. And this is not true of all of us, but for some of us it is. Our excuses are often just selfishness disguised as humility. Oh, I can't, my, my thing, my upbringing, my whatever. My, it's selfishness. And so the author of Hebrews says, it's counterintuitive, but if you, if you want to live this life the way God's called you to, you gotta empty your life. You have to surrender your, you have to let go of everything and not live for you. And one of the ways subtly that you live for you is self-centered hiding behind the excuses that are holding you back. And so here, here's what he says. And the last thing I'd say, if you're not religious, this is where I'll drop you off. And you can apply whatever you want to this in part, but I just always want to give you, like you, you haven't signed on the Jesus thing. You don't have to do any of this thing. And my hope is you'd come to the place to believe that Jesus really did live a perfect life, died for our sins, walked out of a grave alive in history. You should go study that. And it changed everything. It validated everything he said about his life and death. But if you haven't signed on to follow Jesus, you don't have to do any of this, pick and choose. And hopefully, I, my hope is you'd get to that place, but you can belong even if you never believe here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, the author of Hebrews gives us one more thing. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you, for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The implication is to take your eyes off of everything else and fix your eyes on Jesus off of your excuses, off of your failures, off of your past. And it's not to say that it's not legitimate. It's just to say that there is something more dominant that should hold your attention, that you should be fixated on. Not your lack of opportunity, not what she did to you, not your disability, not your mental illness, not that season of your life, not that horrific event, all of it mattered, all of it was a big deal, none of it's minimized. But fix your eyes on Jesus. And I'll just promise you, when you go down that road long enough to fix your eyes on Jesus rather than fixing your eyes on all of the other stuff that's held you back, eventually, 
King Jesus will move you past the manufactured excuses. Eventually, and this is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful, he will move you to the place where you will stop lying to yourself. And you'll stop hiding behind the why nots, like all the reasons you haven't done, all the reasons you, you know, you're held back, all the reasons you didn't go, all the reasons you didn't decide. And you'll, you'll stop with the why nots and you'll start to ask the question, why not? God has given you a will and a destiny and a unique plan for this moment in time and nothing disqualifies you. You think a God of resurrection is going to be overcome by spring break 2011? <laughs> by the fact that you didn't finish school? By the fact that that thing failed, that you're a mess? Of course you are. You serve a God who walked out of a Why not me? Why not now? Why not God? Why not try to reconcile? Why not have a conversation with them? Why not get out of debt? Why not try to get healthy and whole? I know three generations of people haven't been able to do it. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And he is more powerful than a multi-generational dysfunction that's following me. Why not me in this moment? Why not decide? Why not take the step? Why not move in faith? Why not I serve Jesus? I'm fixing my eyes on him. And if you do that long enough, he will move you past all of the nonsense. And I'm telling you, what looked like an obstacle in a barrier in one season, in many cases, becomes an opportunity in other seasons. Well, you know this. A lot of times the people who do the most good are often the people who had the most legitimate reasons not to. I feel like my parents are some of those people. But they decided I'm gonna do what I can with what I have and I'm gonna trust God with the outcomes and I just, I cannot emphasize, this is the story of God. Can I just speak into this for one second, this thing that is holding you back, this excuse, you can't, it's not gonna happen for you, it didn't happen for them, if you only knew all the details, just stop for a second. Do you understand the story of scripture is that people who had areas of their life where they were the weakest, they were the most unqualified, they had the biggest dysfunction and regrets, those were the areas many times that Jesus moved in to show off his power and accomplish his purposes in their generation. Why? Because that's how God works. He's not looking to do something so that you can get the credit. He's looking to use dysfunctional imago days made in the image of God. Take their greatest weakness and manufacture it into their strength so that he can do something for your good to know that God's with you, God's for you, God's doing something in your generation, but I want to do it in such a way that I get all of the glory. And that place of your weakness and your excuses and your greatest failure may be the epicenter of where God God wants to work in his greatest way in your life, but you have got to invite him in. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And it takes humility to admit that we're hiding behind excuses. And the remainder of that verse says, and in due time or at the right time or when God's ready, he will lift you up. He will lift you out and he'll accomplish what he wants to accomplish in that area of your life. Some of you are living and walking with a limp that God wants to repurpose as a showcase for his resurrection power on display in your life. 
The people, oftentimes, who have every reason not to are the people who step in. And I don't know you, but I know for a lot of you, you want to live a life where you do not hide behind fabricated and manufactured excuses that you pass off as reasons. And I'm just telling you, there is a direct link between your ability to follow Jesus and your willingness to let go of everything that holds you back, including your excuses. So religious or not, and we'll just, we'll end here for this week. Why don't you just shut down the excuse factory? Just shut it down, just stop. And, and listen, you have the power to do that. I'm not saying you have to do anything or you're like, well, yeah, I do that. And it's nothing's gonna change. Okay, fine. We're not even talking about that right now. You can at least not lie to you. You can at least tell yourself the truth. So what if we just started there? Because that's really my only agenda today. I just want to set this up. Shut down the excuse factory because excuses weigh you down. They hold you back. They keep you from the opportunities, destiny, and will God has for your life. And it keeps your life small. And you are not big enough to live for you. And there's certain stuff that you should be dragging into 2023. But there's other things that we should leave behind forever. And if we would leave this behind, your life would be better. You... To quote a mentor, following Jesus will make your life better. It'll make you better at life. It'll make your life better. It'll make the people around you, their life better. It'll make the world better because you will begin to stop saying no to Jesus for no reason at all. So let's just be honest. Let's just shut down the factory. Let's just start right there. It's not a reason. It's an excuse. And then this, this is really the last thing. I think it's one of the most important things you can teach your kids to differentiate the difference between a reason and an excuse. And they'll remember a little bit of what you said. They'll remember a lot of what you did. So what if we modeled the way? And so what if you just shut it down? What if you just get honest? What if you fixed your eyes on Jesus rather than fixing your eyes on all that other stuff? And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna begin to talk about how to actually do that, how to actually move past these excuses. So would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this room, the spaces and places that we'll never know about all over the country and state, people listening to your radio, podcasting. Uh, I, I just, you're so good at what you do. And so I just pray that in some ways we would just get out of the way and let you apply this uniquely, specifically and personally to where we need it. And the thing is, this hits all of us. All of us are prone to move in this very human direction. But God, I pray that you would give us a vision, even if we don't know the specifics of it, that you have something for us. You have a future for us. You wanna do something even in this area that we are holding back and hiding. And I just pray that we would begin the process just not hiding. So in some cases we can begin healing. We can begin moving in your direction. We can fix our eyes on you. And so God, do your thing. And we pray all of this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.